0: Welcome to the Accelerated Investor Podcast with Josh Cantwell. If you're looking to retire early with forever passive income, you're in the right place. This podcast is the go-to destination for real estate investors, both active and passive, and multifamily apartment investors, both new, intermediate, and advanced. Now, sit back, listen. Listen. Learn and accelerate your business, your life, and your investing with the
1: Accelerated Investor Podcast. So, hey, Liz, thanks for carving out some time. Welcome to Accelerated Real Estate Investor.
2: Thank you for having me, Josh. Excited to be here.
1: Yeah, it's been a minute. We had Matt on the show a long time ago. Um, It's going to be great to get caught up with you and talk a little bit about real estate investing and entrepreneurship from your perspective. Can't wait to hear more about the investor community um, and some of the things that you're doing specifically with women and with entrepreneurs, and it's going to be amazing. So thanks for carving out some time. Liz, I would love to hear as we kind of kick things off a little bit more about your thoughts on today's market and economy as you make investment decisions, as you lead your group, uh, as you make investments, as you you speak to your investor community. What are some of the things that are on your mind today regarding the economy and specifically about commercial real estate investing?
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. There's there's a there's a lot of pieces of the puzzle. Like my husband and I have been investing since since oh eight, so I've been kind of through a few different uh, cycles, if you will. And so what what I'm seeing right now, and I can kind of share what we're doing in our you know from an active perspective and investing. And also what we're seeing a lot of the women in our investor community doing. So what are the struggles with interest rates higher? Uh, and I would say at the same time, owners are still pretty committed to their prices and their, you know, sale prices, if you will, that, that hasn't Agreed. necessarily yeah, they they haven't that hasn't necessarily corrected, right? And so with those pieces of the puzzle, I think creative sh- financing strategies are necessary, negotiation of terms. Is necessary to to get kind of get deals done. A lot of women are struggling with just deals not penciling out, properties not penciling out, not making financial sense. Um, now we raise investors, right, on, on the active side, uh, so that's incredibly important. Whether it's, I mean, you guess you could just park your money and lose money for a few years on a property, but when you're raising money and you're working with 400 plus investors of, 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 with, on the DeRosa side, you can't do that, right? There's there's expectations and a, and a level of integrity. So. And returns that everyone expects, regardless of the economy you're in, right? Regardless of what's happening. So, you know, I think there's a there's a couple of things. Number one, there's always. I'm I'm a big I'm a big believer. There's always opportunity. Uh, And right now, you know, I'll give you a couple of examples, even just from the active side. So, we uh, about a year ago was our last purchase of a of a large multifamily. Just so many of our projects. We're not new to this. We've been investing for 17 years. We have the track record. We have the the financial stability, we have all those pieces of the puzzle, but we're getting over, you know, outbid on on a number of uh, properties. I can't even tell you how many we've gotten outbid. So, you know, on one hand, you can say that's frustrating. and, 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 And then on the other hand, you have to pivot. And I think investors need to pivot right now and say, okay, what do I have at my disposal? What's working for me? And then how do I progress in this current economy? So for example, we're not purchasing large multi, So we decided to put together more of like a blended fund where we're lending that money out to people who are doing new construction projects, what have you. And that fund is doing really well. So what did we have at our disposal? We have a track record of raising money and getting the returns uh, for our investors and and honestly protecting their money, right? Which is critical. And the economy is the the way it is. People are still doing deals and uh, especially short-term projects. So that's just an example of a pivot versus just, well, there's no deals to be done. So I think mindset is critical, knowing what's needed in the community is critical, and also saying, what what can I do based on my experience, my track record, um, and then and then focus on that. Last thing I'd say is a lot of women who are active are shifting to being passive. So it's a lot of opportunity to lend right now. We're lending uh, even just, I see a lot of women lending money to each other, partnering on deals uh, where they're actively not purchasing that multifamily they want to, but they're at least making money, you know, making money uh, in making a return on that 100K or that 50K or that 200K at, at 10% or whatever they negotiate. So right. I think it's a pivot. And we have to kind of think, like, what's the end game? And how do I keep my money working, even if it's not this beautiful home run deal?
1: Yeah, I love it. Um, you mentioned pivoting several times. You mentioned you've been investing since 2008. Um, why don't you talk for a second from an entrepreneurial spec? perspective and specifically for women about this myth that's out there as an entrepreneur that you're going to be able to start a business and run that business in the same way, the same kind of straight line for 15 to 30 years. And at the end, you're going to sell this business, get this big windfall. That's a myth that just doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. Pivoting is part of entrepreneurship. Tell me a little bit more about your story since 2008. How many times have you pivoted and how important has that been to consistently being successful and being comfortable maybe doing something for a while that's really successful and then completely pivoting it away from it to make the next move? Tell yeah. me about that since you mentioned it a few times.
2: Yeah, and it, and actually our first property we bought was in 2004, right? So pivot has been like our, our middle name. I'd say the first pivot, you know, Josh, in, in a lot of ways was when we were buying small multifamily, you know, in in really the New Jersey market. So you can pivot strategy, you can pivot geographical location, you can pivot uh, so many different things, right? Mm-hmm. And so for for us, you know, we were flipping property, we bought some tax liens, we were doing a we had a commercial building, and then we were we were buying multifamily. And so I always say when you're kind of like good at everything, you're not great at anything. You know and and so for us we felt like we were stifled by our growth because we were spread thin and so we kind of said okay what where are we having the most success where do we need to like double down and that's a pivot when you start to like say no to things and you say yes to one thing uh i think i think entrepreneurs are very visionary oriented i think they're excited by a lot of different things that's kind of what the spark is for so many people that that can get very distracting, and mm-hmm. that actually can stifle your growth. And it quite honestly was stifling our growth. So we really doubled down on multifamily, and we also doubled down on building relationships with equity partners, uh, lenders, and really raising money to purchase more. We were tapped out of our own resources uh, at at about 30, 30 doors, and we just said we really want to grow. And how do we do that? So we got. Mm-hmm. So that was the first pivot pivoting meaning okay get let's get more focused on what we're actually good at and some of these other things like flips it's just distracting us right now uh, the the next pivot for us was when we said we started to do more and more deals in New Jersey and you know I probably don't have to tell your listeners about New Jersey I love it I'm a Jersey I'm a Jersey girl but you know we're not actively buying a whole lot in New Jersey right now we've sold right. most of our stuff and so taxes just became too um too, too high. There was a lot of logistical red tape in the communities we were investing and in. I can go on and on. So we, the next pivot was loca- like geographical location and size of, of multifamily. So we went from like a 10 to an 18 unit to a 49 unit. And that 49 unit took us to Pennsylvania, which was the Lancaster area, which is a mm-hmm. little, small little town, you know, cute arts Be- area. Very familiar.
1: Been there. Yeah. My daughter played some soccer tournaments there. Yeah. Okay.
2: And so we pivoted into a new area and a larger kind of unit count, not a different asset class because again, we were kind of just growing in that. Um, And that was a big deal for us. The reason why it was a big deal, Josh, for us was that up to that point, we were doing all of our own property management. So we literally had the leasing agent. you know, We had someone doing tenant relations. We had our bookkeeper. We even had a construction arm of our business, like literally. And again, you have to like look in the mirror and go, what do we do really well and what don't we do well? And I think that's also a conversation, Josh, right? So many entrepreneurs need to have. Absolutely. bottom line there is that we actually looked at it and said, property management takes a strict, you know, someone really overseeing so many different details. And when we looked at our own strengths and what we really wanted to be doing, um, we know we're not the best at that operations of that management company. So we said, you know what? let's start working with a third-party management company. And that was our first time we pivoted into hiring a third-party management company. Um, it was an hour and a half from our house. You would have thought it was across the country. Right. So, so that was a big pivot. It opened our eyes to, wow, we don't have to do it all within 30 minutes of ra- a radius of our home. Um, these aren't, you know, we don't even see deals within 30 minutes of our home. Let's start looking elsewhere. And then that really brought us to Kentucky and North Carolina, which is the majority of our assets at this point, um, so it it's and then interesting. Did you guys
1: pivot again from okay, we moved from flips and tax liens and doing lots of different things. And what I wrote down, you, you the pivot was like a whole pivot. What I mean is, you didn't add more things; you actually contracted the number of yes. things you were doing. Correct. That was a pivot. Then you moved geographically. That's a pivot. Then you added third party management. That's a pivot. Then you go to sort of going from smaller multifamily to larger multifamily, Kentucky, North Carolina, that's a pivot. And I think the first thing I want to say to our listeners is that is what I would consider to be a very natural migration, very natural decision-making process um, for newer investors to focus on a 10 unit or a 20 unit or a 40 unit. And then looking more at geography, where can I get more growth? Where can I do what I'm best at? And I think that is a a really straightforward lesson in not only entrepreneurship, but seeing what does the market do and what can we do well, right? Yeah. So now you're in Kentucky, North Carolina. What happens from there?
2: Yeah. So then, then the pivot became more of like me and Matt working side by side. So you know, at the same time as we scaled our multifamily and started to raise more money and bring more investors in, um, we had our first son. And uh, for many years, my husband and I were just, you know, didn't think we were going to have kids and want kids not to go off off on a tangent, but we just, you know, that wasn't in our world. And so 2013 came around. I left my corporate job because I was doing that part, you know, part-time as we grew our business. And I said, um, I'm I'm done with that. You know, I'm going to retire from that. And we started to scale our business. And so the question was, do I continue on like full, full full-time with my husband or do I do something different? And at the same time, you know, you start to lose yourself. I think all parents can, but especially just like I speak from a woman's perspective, I really, from someone who is traveling, building a business with my husband, and now I have a newborn. I left, I left I left, my corporate job, you know, and I really didn't know my exact role within our business. And I had this newborn, right? It was a, it was a, lot, of, a lot of uncertainty in my world. And quite honestly, I felt a little lost. I loved mm-hmm. my son and I wanted to be like the best mom, but I had this like fire in me. I, I want to do something in addition, right? And there's all types of people, but I knew that was in me. So the same time, I met my now business partner from from Invest Her, and we became really good friends. We started partnering on deals, and then that led into another pivot for me, where I kind of let go of some of the active like hand in hand partnership with my husband, where he's brought in two other partners at this point to run the day to day of our uh, syndication business. I'm really running data, you know, the the, the business on the Invest Her side. Started out as a passion five years ago, where we just went to conferences and events and. There wasn't a lot of women there. And if they were, yeah. they're on a panel and just talking about how it is to be a woman in real estate. We're like, well, there's a lot more to that. There's a lot more to talk about than just that. So um we started a community and we have a, you know, a global platform where women can get connected and not only get the education, but get connected to each other so they can do more deals and create the yeah. work they want.
1: So the so the pivot goes from now in Kentucky, Carolina, with your husband, now. Child, new mom, yep. growing that now. Matt is takes the Derosa group with two partners. Yeah, you're kind of taking. So if you're listening to this in a podcast, you're going to hear the term investor and a little bit of the the uh, the emphasis on the her part. Um, Liz runs an organization called the Real Estate Invest Her Community. So invest H E R capital H E R her. her. Community. It's a platform to empower women to live financially free on their own terms. She has a partner. They have over 27 years of experience and $130 million portfolio. They run 50 meetups a year. So Liz, you mentioned this global platform. What's kind of the mission of Invest Her? What are you trying to accomplish by putting that community together? Are you ready to automate and explode your real estate investing? We're searching for extremely motivated individuals who are sick and tired of wasting time and want to finally see real results from their real estate investing business. We're searching for investors looking to get to the next level and become a bigger, better version of themselves while being a more successful real estate investing entrepreneur. Apply for mentoring and coaching at joshcantwellcoaching.com forward slash podcast. That's joshcantwellcoaching.com forward slash podcast you know
2: how when we started we knew there was something there right because we were experiencing it ourselves where we like i said go to events or i was even talked out of and interviewing only women josh i said i want to start a pod we want to start a podcast i had a very good friend of mine tell me you're going to run out of women there's just not that many women investors i said i don't think so i just don't know them all but i don't think so and we've done 400 episodes we don't we don't have to run out of any women to interview nice the 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 where we started in saying, you know, there's a need for women coming together and supporting each other. Um, we had a hunch. So now, now you fast forward and go, okay, what's happening in the economy? What's happening in the world? Um, currently women control in, in the United States control $10 trillion. Okay. That number is going to 30 trillion in the next three to five years. So literally right wow. now, Women are going to be, tri- the amount of money they're in control of, and that's a lot of different reasons, right? Another, another podcast, whether that's a death of a spouse, whether that's an inheritance, whether that's just money-making activity, but there's literally, that's the, the stats that are there. At the same time, uh, uh, Fidelity has done a, a ton of research. The confidence level, again, not all women in my our community because their confidence is pretty high, but I'd say women in general, right? We're being very general. The confidence in investing, not controlling money, because controlling money or being the CFO of the household, that's high, very mm-hmm, high actually. Sure. What's very low is be making investment decisions and it's 19%. So,
1: yeah, I would say, Liz, just to echo that, like I would put my wife in that exact description. Like she's the CFO of our house, right? And paying the bills and running all of the kids' um, high school and all of the different things that we do to support them and the children. And then Paying for private school and saving for college and all those kind of things, but when it comes to investing decisions, like my wife almost doesn't even want to know sometimes. Like, what are we doing to take the money that we do have and invest it? Right. He's like, okay, cool. And it's, when I start talking about it, sometimes just she's like, uh, uh, just just go ahead, just go do it, right? But like my mom, and you know, many women I know, if they don't want to own those decisions, sometimes at some point they're forced right? Whether it's an inheritance, death of a spouse. So just to echo that, like I can see that in my own house for sure. Confidence level, running the CFO, very high. Confidence level making investment decisions, much lower.
2: The irony though, is that in order to be a good investor, you actually need to be a good money manager in my opinion, right? So that actually those, that skill set is not that it's not needed actually. Um, and and it's 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 interesting right because women in our community are doing deals and you know and they're they're making things happen these are seasoned women right and and have the and they want to be around like-minded women who are doing it as well women outperform statistically men as investors as well so yet they don't have the confidence as high wealth is the money is only going to be going up in the next several years yet they actually cuz i think there's a level of conservatism i think there's a level of cautiousness like but these are entrepreneurial women um, mm-hmm. when they make the, when they make the call, it's usually the right call. And they're not just kind of r- randomly going into deals and there's not that men do, yeah. but there's just this level of scrutiny. And so when it's the right deal actually make the right call, it's just getting that piece of the puzzle. And so what we've found, to be honest with you, is that there's so much information out there, Josh, that it's overwhelming, you know, because mm-hmm. you can Google, how to buy an investment property, and you will get plenty of information out there more than we did when we were, you know, starting out. I wish we had that. Yeah, that's not enough though, because it's like it's like we know how to lose weight, right? You know, your intake of calories and what you're doing to move your. I mean, it's not again not rocket science, but yet every day more health, more exercise books come out like no one knows this information. It's the community part that we're bringing to the table, and not just a random rah rah community. Not that rah rah is not helpful. But we're like taking a stand for each other, supporting each other in a very meaningful way um, mm-hmm. and calling each other up or out, if you will, if if someone's like, listen, I don't, you know, hey, you said you wanted to buy a pro- your next property. What's coming up for you? So there's a lot of accountability, a lot of support. Um, and that's the kind of community we're building. Yeah, I love it. And that's the key to to, to moving, I think, the confidence piece. Um, because the the bottom line is that there's a multiplier effect with women. And more than men in some ways, where whether it's a concert, whether it's going to see the Barbie movie, whatever it is, when women do it together, there's like a certain energy and effectiveness. Mm-hmm. Invest things the same way. And yeah. so that's what we're trying to create more of through our conference and our community.
1: It seems it seems um a little bit odd to me, like knowing how like knowing how women operate in that. And I've been to a lot of business conferences. And I've had some really good both male and female speakers speak about the difference emotionally and psychologically between men and women, right? And some guys make a joke like, if you take a woman out to a party, she's gonna meet 20 other best friends and they're all gonna communicate and become close. And they ask each other real questions about life and about their families and what's important to them, and they connect on a deep level. And guys are kind of like, you know, what do you do for a living? <laughs> It's like real shallow guys have like a few friends, right. And they're comfortable with that group of friends. And I don't know if it's because men inherently like over the last, whatever, 4 million years, it's like this creating this sense of security. We don't want a lot of let let a lot of people in because of the fear of that taking away from or demolishing what we're trying to protect. Like we're protectors, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Versus like, and you mentioned about women making really good decisions like making a good call my wife will often say like i'm never wrong about people and she usually isn't she's maybe gotten one wrong that i could think of Mm -hmm. One and happens to be my business partner glenn that she thought she was really skeptical of
0: yeah and she
1: she she had a lot of reasons to be skeptical it turned out to be an amazing relationship but um when they make business decisions liz have you seen this like women's intuition, right? Guys make decisions, we maybe trust someone too quick, or we make too many investment decisions, get spread too thin, whereas women are a little bit more tactical, a little bit more careful. And because they get to know each other on a deeper level, then they can make really good investment decisions. Because a lot of times when we're investing, not a lot of times, every time you're investing in someone, not really something, right? Mm -hmm. So because they're investing in another person that they maybe women have a better time and easier time getting to know at deeper levels. At least that's from my experience. My wife knows other women at a very deep level. I know a lot of guys on a very surfacy level. Um, So is that a unique trait Hmm. that women can take advantage of? Because a lot of them are quote unquote built that way. I know my wife is, she gets people right a lot. So is that something that they could use as a confidence builder to say, lean in on your intuition, lean in on your relationship building. That's an asset for a woman entrepreneur or a woman investor.
2: Sure. Yeah. It's interesting, right? Because I, and just sidebar before I joined, before we were growing, as we were growing our portfolio, I had a expertise and I still do in a personality assessment. So I do think as you're talking, Josh, I'm, I do think in you know, there's a there's a there's a gender piece to so much in our society, right? Mm-hmm. To say there's not would would you know be completely ridiculous. Then there's a there's an element of personality, in addition to that to that gender piece. Um, and so what what I mean by that is you have women. To what you're saying, yes, is there an intuition? Um yes I think it's bigger than that because there are women that probably do just want a few relationships or more introverts and the thought of having 20 best friends at a, at the end of the party would overwhelm them as 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 introverts right. whether it's a woman or a man but I will say what you're saying makes makes a lot of sense from the from the perspective like almost like win win situations so it's is, you know are they are, are a lot of women going to be like hardcore negotiators like a win lose. No, what they're gonna do, and I've seen this so many times before, was um, especially in creative financing, seller financing. Uh, women are masters at that. not that men can't be, but there's a level of trust, right? Mm-hmm. There's a level of and again, I'm not saying anything that's not real. It's, it's I'm not making it up or what you've experienced, Josh. So there's a level of trust. you're you're talking to a homeowner and you're trying to figure out negotiate uh, an an actual deal. There's a natural trust there. And it should not be taken advantage of, certainly. But I've seen women really double down on like that win-win atmosphere versus let me get all mine.
0: Mm-hmm, I have seen mm-hmm. that as a
2: very consistent trait for many women investors. Um, and, and, and then you layer in the intuition, right? The ones that are especially more relationship oriented, that's unstoppable, right? Because you think about, I have a win-win. I want to do what's best for the situation. Now, the, the contrary to all that, is not having boundaries and, and, and not being able to stand your ground and getting taken advantage of, right. That's sure. another issue that could come up for certain women who Got are. Got it.
1: Got thinking. it. I love it. So I have a couple of quick kind of yeah. fast hitting questions for you based on what I've learned in this last, uh, 15, 20 minutes or so. Yeah. Um, and I would love to hear your thoughts kind of quickly on each one. Like, so What do you think is the biggest, for women particularly, what do you Mm think is the first big psychological hurdle that they have to overcome to just get into entrepreneurship and get into investing?
2: I think they have to get over the fact that there's something out there that they need to have. Instead, they need to look inside themselves and say, what do I bring to the table right now? I think that's the biggest hurdle, because yes, we all have skills to learn. Yes, there's all, you know, in order to be an effective entrepreneur, right? There's these 10 qualities to be an effective entrepreneur or to be a great investor, here are the 10 qualities. What I think is the the miss is that so many women already have so many qualities they can bring to the table. Whether it's time, whether it's money, whether it's being more of a project management operational type, or you're that visionary, you're out of the box thinking about new opportunities. So many times we just say, We're not that, so we don't have anything we can bring to the table. And women wanna be perfect in some ways before they even take that first step. Like, well, I'm not an investor, so I can't do that. Versus you have so much you can actually bring to the investment game and and, and, and process that you're missing that. Yes, there's maybe some gaps, right? You have to look, you have to analyze a deal or Mm -hmm. you have to figure out what the right market is to invest in, right? These are core fundamentals. But I feel like women don't give themselves enough credit, and they and that's really the first thing we always tell women is, you know, what what is that kind of personal inventory? What do you already bring to the table? Yeah, all the other things. You could be a stay-at-home mom. You're running a household. You have tons of skills. You know, I I know because I've been home with my kids. I've been working full. I've done it all, and I'm like, these are the women you want running a property. Someone who's run a household. So yes, biggest yeah.
1: biggest hurdle is give yourself some credit for what you do have, for what you do know, Absolutely. and lean in on that, right? What do you think, Liz, is with all the women investors and entrepreneurs that you've been around through the investor community and the show? What do you think are maybe the one or two or three traits that you see in the most successful women that you've spoken with, you've mentored, you've interviewed? Is there two or three traits that stick out that those women tend to have or those women tend to obtain? through hard work and through doing deals and through experience, what are some of the common themes that you're seeing?
2: I think number one, women who trust themselves, really trust their decisions uh, you know, is, is number one. I mean, we've, we've gotten a chance to interview Kim Kiyosaki on our show and you know, a lot of, a lot of women who are very successful. And it, it, not that you don't doubt yourself, I don't think that's possible, right? A human being is on some level gonna doubt themselves along the way
1: like every day. (laughs) Every day.
2: But I think there's this natural like trust level. Like if I get myself into this, I can figure out how to get myself out of this. So there's a level of trust you have with yourself. I think that's number one. Number two would be, number two would be, they have this ability to put deals together and figure it out like creatively. Um, And they're able to tap who they know and how they know them. So and that's like the name of the game right now. You know, you might find a good deal, but how do you put it together? And they have this level of, and even if they don't have all the pieces of seller financing or subject to, or getting a, a debt equity partner, I'm sorry, an equity partner versus, you know, a private lender, they have this ability to kind of navigate a, a level of uncertainty. I think that's also something that yeah. I've seen a, a lot of, um, and women who don't naturally have that shift to that, right? Or, or become, or, or partner right? Where they're more cautious and they get entrepreneurship and they love it. They do need someone who can just maybe make decisions faster. Yeah, um, sure. I would say that's the second one that that's pretty critical. Um, you know, I, would say the third one would be this. Um, I think it's decision making. I think decision making is, can really hold people back because they just, especially women, they just don't want to make the wrong decision based on what I said earlier. And, um, Something that I work through. If I feel like I'm laboring, make the decision. What's mm-hmm. my opinion here? I could be wrong, but it's better to be wrong than not to make a decision. It just yeah. it keeps us in this like this ebb and flow. And I think decision making, especially as an entrepreneur, is is critical and it's, it's a so muscle. critical. So I, I was think talking to a friend one. of
1: mine last night. We were watching our daughters play volleyball together. They had their high school game, and we were talking a little bit about work. And he made a joke. He's like, he's like, do you have to work tomorrow? And I said, not like in a cocky way, but just in a fact, matter of fact way. I'm like, not really, you know. And I didn't mean it like to put him down or anything like that or sure. brag. But it was like I didn't really have to work if I don't want to. Portfolio is doing really well. It's really big. We got a lot of cash flow and equity and blah blah blah. But then when I did turn on, when I say is, look, Ted, we're just different in that, you know, you work with your hands every day. I have to make decisions, very tough decisions every day. And so my brain is constantly feel like there's pressure. There's there's something I have to decide on some decision, or I have to prepare to make a decision. That could be three months, six months, a year from now. And I have to get ready for that. The way that I uh, allow myself to make those decisions, as you mentioned, Liz, about maybe not just women, but men too, delaying making decisions or not making a final decision. Uh, the way that I reconcile that in my own mind is that I always try to think of, worst case scenario, yeah. right? Because if I can get super comfortable with worst case scenario, then I'm much more quick to decide and make a firm decision. Like if that's the worst that can happen to us, then here's here's option A, B, C. Option A is our best option. Let's go with that. Because we don't always know what the outcome is going to be. You have to make a decision with a lot of unknowns as an entrepreneur, whether you're male, whether you're female, it doesn't matter. Correct. You have to make a lot of decisions. So how do you reconcile that? You reconcile that to kind of get off the, you know, get off the pot, if you will, and make the decision is I've got to reconcile what's the worst thing that could happen. And if I'm not comfortable with worst case, then I've got to punt that decision. I can't make that decision. Um, Or maybe I can make a small decision that helps me move forward. That is not a lot of risk to then get a little closer and close the gap on worst case. Worst case to me is if I can reconcile that, I can make more decisions much faster Uh, And so hopefully that's something that whoever listens to this podcast, whether it's my group, yours, they can use as one way to help them make more decisions, even if they're small incremental decisions, is to say, well, what's the, if we, if we decide this, what's the worst that could happen? We decide that what's the worst case that could happen. And sometimes it's a, it's a group of small incremental decisions that ends up leading to the larger, okay, now we got to go do that, right? Big decision down the road. That's how I reconcile it in my own mind a lot. Um, to so just keep move things moving forward. Cause if you're the CEO, you're the decision maker, you're the investor, you're the entrepreneur. That's like the number one thing you have to do is make decisions daily, sometimes and can, 20 and 30 times a day.
2: And it can feel lonely. It can feel lonely because right. you're making these decisions sometimes by yourself. And I think that's, that's also another trait I've seen so many women who are successful is like having that tribe, having that group, having that Ability to lean into to people. Uh, we had a woman who's who's going back and forth with a sale of her property. She's dealing with debt. Um, she's got a handful of properties looking to scale, and she just felt stopped with which way should I go here? Mm-hmm. So during a call, right, we lay. What are the options here? We've all been in debt. We've all made bad financial decisions. Anyone that has an, I I don't know, you have the Midas touch. I don't have the Midas touch.
1: I don't either.
2: (laughs) So it happens. And so what are you going to do about it? What are the options? And by the end of the call and the spreadsheet, she just felt comfortable and confident to make that decision. So I don't think we have to put the pressure on like every decision is like this. I have to figure it out myself because that is also a trait that I see a lot of women doing and, 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 and men possibly too. And it it just limits your growth, and you can't see the blind spots. Mm-hmm. And she felt she felt comfortable to keep the property and then refinance, even in today's crazy, you know, interest rates, or higher interest rates, and move forward powerfully, right? And that's the goal. Yeah. You don't have to figure it all out by yourself. There's so many yeah, people that can support. I you. think
1: as an entrepreneur, one of the best things we can do is ask our group, ask our tribe, ask our yeah. whether it's our staff or our mastermind group. You yeah. know, what if? What if we did this? Mm-hmm. You know, if we made this decision, what if our job as the CEO leader, you know, investor entrepreneur is to try to see all the potholes, see around the corner. And so if we ask what if, then you have to find out like, what are, what other potholes are other people seeing? What are other women seeing? If I do this investment, or if I make this decision about seller financing versus traditional, keep this property versus sell it versus refi it. What if, what do you think? I think there's a lot of smart people out there. And I think a lot of times when we're stuck and we have a hard time making decisions, we have a hard time making the next step. Somebody else probably has the answer. We just have to be really good and really humble to go ask the question and understand and say, like, I don't know everything. Like, let me go ask my group. Let me go ask my tribe. So Liz, let me ask you this final question as we kind of wrap up the show here is um, for our women audience that want to engage with the real estate invest her uh, that's the website, by the way, guys, invest H-E-R at the end, .com. Go check that out. When they go there, Liz, and they want to engage in your community, learn more about it, what are they going to find? What should they expect? What's going to be like the first thing that they experience if they go to the website and start to engage with you guys?
2: Yeah, I would I would say there's a couple of ways, right? So we have free events every month, two, two events that we do, two to three events. These are high content, hand-picked speakers. Talking about business, real estate investing, or or something connected to self care, so those are our three pillars. Uh, we have a Facebook community of over fifteen thousand women that we literally are all over because you know there's randomness that happens in Facebook groups, but not not ours because we're so diligent to like take take it down, but to get you know to start getting connected to people. I say the third thing as well is that we have investor meetups uh in, in we have over 50 so there's a good chance that wherever you are and hopefully as we grow you'll there'll be one in every geographical area um where you can get connected to local women so if you're interacting people online there's that in-person that realness right of, of local of uh, women coming together and there's some all of our meetups are are, are 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 there to to support that and then lastly we have an annual conference so i'd love for women to come out we do fantastic. a fantastic um, it's called Invest Her Con. We do it in June of every year. Next one is June second to fourth, Austin, Texas. Last year we had five hundred women, over wow. thirty over thirty speakers, um, and really intentional. Josh, really mindful. Everything we do, it's like, how do we support? How do we support uh, women to move on that journey?
1: Yeah, I love it. I've got some some female women in our mastermind group that I'm for sure going to share this with, get it out to them right away. I would love for them to connect with you as well. Uh, you know, Lori and Tara and a few others in particular that I can think of. The one last comment that I want to make, Liz, is the comment that you just made about self-care. I heard a quote, uh, I was in a, in a CEO mastermind uh, with a guy named Vince Fisher, and one of the members of that group was a psychiatrist named Sean Stevenson. Mm. Sean was in the group and he said, the cure for depression, the cure for anxiety, the cure is self care.
2: Mm. Mm. And he, nice.
1: he, he, yeah, was, I, that stuck with me. That stuck with me for eight years now. I heard that in 2015. Um, and so many people that maybe are having a hard time making decisions, maybe a mom that's feeling anxiety about their child or yeah. somebody that's feeling depressed about maybe the way they look in the mirror the cure for a lot of those things is self-care. Um, self-care, and I would add, right? Then it's the community, self-care community, right? Take care of yourself, meaning eat healthy, go to the gym, go for a walk, listen to something positive, self-care, and then share that with the community. So for our investors, listeners, uh, definitely engage with Liz and her group, the realestateinvesther.com, check that out. Liz, it's fantastic. Uh, thank you so much for jumping on the show today. I loved all of your insights and all of your advice. Uh, guys, check out again the derosagroup.com, I'm sorry, derosagroup.com and the real estate for more information. Liz, thanks for jumping on the show.
2: Thanks, Josh. Great, great being here.
0: You were just listening to the Accelerated Investor Podcast with Josh Cantwell. If you enjoyed this episode and learned something new, help us build the AI community by leaving a review and five-star rating on our iTunes podcast channel. Also, don't forget to subscribe so you never miss another episode. To see passive investing opportunities, visit freelandventures.com slash passive. To start your journey toward the lifestyle you've always dreamed of with multifamily apartments, apply for one-on-one coaching with Josh at www.joshcantwellcoaching.com.